After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Hello. <laughs> who am I? I'm one of the magi who sought long and hard to find the Messiah. And when we did. <laughs> I get ahead of myself. I need to back up a little bit. See, I love to study the stars. But tonight, there's one missing. It's a long story, but it's one you definitely need to hear. You see, I am a magi. I've served in the royal courts of Babylon. And magi are experts, experts in astronomy and astrology. In fact, we're scientists. We are the mathematicians and the philosophers and the doctors and the lawyers. In fact, your word magistrate comes from the word magi. We do some very serious jobs. We serve in very high authoritative and prominent positions. We did in the Babylonian Empire, the Persian Empire, the Greek Empire. And as we served in these high positions, we were advisors to kings. In fact, in the book of Daniel, it talks much about the Magi. In fact, the Magi, and talked about in the book of Daniel, if you remember, they served in the court 
of King Nebuchadnezzar. Remember, King Nebuchadnezzar is the king from Babylon who destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, and took captive the people, the Jewish people in 587 BC. But also Nebuchadnezzar took captive some choice, very wise young men, one of which was named Daniel. And Daniel and his friends were, in a sense, rivals to the Magi that were already in place in Babylon. Daniel and his friends were, in a sense, competition to our great-great-great-grandfathers. Well, Daniel did what the Magi could not do. He interpreted the dream of the king. If you remember... Nebuchadnezzar, he had a king, and then the king Nebuchadnezzar had his dream, and it troubled him, but he could not remember the dream. So he called all the magi together to help him recover the dream and then interpret it, but the magi couldn't do it. So this enraged Nebuchadnezzar. So he ordered, decreed that all the magi be killed. A word of this came to Daniel, so Daniel prayed to God, God, give me the dream and the interpretation, and God did. So Daniel came to the king and told the king the dream and the interpretation, thus saving his own life and the life of all of the magi. And this miracle elevated Daniel to the master of the magi. And what do you think the master of the magi, prophet Daniel, what do you think he taught the magi? Daniel taught the Magi the Old Testament scriptures. They were seekers of wisdom, and he gave it to them from the word of God. And he taught them of a coming Messiah one day. That's promised from the very beginning would come and deliver people from their sins. That was taught to the Magi. And the Magi being a hereditary priesthood, this, these, these truths were passed down generation after generation after generation, all the way down to my generation. The truth of the Old Testament scriptures and the truth of a coming Messiah. So we longed for his coming. We longed for the coming of the Messiah. We longed as the rest of all history longed that he would come. He would come and fulfill the promises.
Oh, what an amazing time that was. But I need to back up again and explain it more to you. Let me back up to the day that, actually the night, that changed my life. I was doing what I do almost every night. I was looking at the stars. But that particular night, I saw a star that wasn't on any of our star charts. And I looked again. How could this be? We've never recorded this star. And I went to the other magi and asked them, have you ever seen this star? They looked at their charts as well. And no one had ever seen that star. And we started to wonder what this could be. And one of the magi said, isn't there a verse in the Jewish scriptures that say, a star shall come forth from Jacob and a scepter shall rise from Israel. And we thought, could it be? Could it be? Could it be that the Messiah has come and the star is pointing the way? Well, we decided we would follow the star. And so we began to gather all of the things we would need for such a long journey. It would be hundreds of miles. It would take months. We would need all kinds of provisions and supplies. We would need an armed guard through difficult territory. We would need all kinds of servants. I mean, the time we gathered everything together and it wasn't a problem with money because we were wealthy. We made sure we had everything we needed. The time we gathered everything together, we were like a small army. I mean, we had Arabian horses and camels and servants and guards. And, and we, had, we even had livestock for food. I mean, we were just going across like an army on our way following the star. And we finally arrived in Jerusalem. And we got to Jerusalem. We were finally there. We thought for sure they know where he's born. So we started announcing, where? Where's he who's born king of the Jews? For we saw a star in the east, and we've come to worship him. When Herod heard this, he was greatly troubled, along with all of Jerusalem. What we did not know was that Caesar Augustus had given Herod the title king of the Jews. So when we came asking, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? Where's the new king of the Jews? Herod didn't like that. Herod was a cruel, insecure leader with extreme paranoia. It fits of jealousy and rage. He had his own wife killed, two of his sons killed. He had all kinds of associates killed. But Herod played it cool with us. First thing he did is he called the scribes and the Pharisees, the chief priest, in and asked them the question, where is he who is born, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And they said he's to be born in Bethlehem. When we heard that, we're, we were amazed because we thought, where, where's Bethlehem? We've come this far. They said about five more miles. We thought, we're so close. We've traveled hundreds of miles for months, and we're just five miles away. But then Herod called us to a secret meeting, and he asked us when we first saw this star, and we told him over a year ago. He said, well, go and search for this child, and when you find him, come back and tell me that I might come and worship him too. Now, at that time, we didn't know Herod was lying to us. We didn't know that it was his goal to find out where this child was born so he could kill him. And later he tried but failed. And we thought, when we found this out, what, is he, what was he thinking? 
I mean, if this is a king that was prophesied supernaturally from the word of God to be born and spotlighted by a star out of heaven, how do you resist such a king? See, Herod did not want Christ to be king. Herod wanted to be king. I've asked many people since then, do you believe Jesus Christ is king? If you do, why do you resist his rule in your life? And if you don't, why do you pay any attention to him at all? There's something else that astonished us, though, was these religious leaders, these scribes, these chief priests, who told us where he was to be born, Bethlehem, and they were not even willing to go with us to find him. We just travel hundreds of miles for months, and they can't go five miles to check it out. We wonder why. I mean, they heard the prophecy. They believed the prophecy, didn't they? Why didn't they come? I wondered, was it pride? I believe that they thought they had, these religious leaders thought they had kind of a corner on God. That if God was going to send the Messiah, surely he would have told them first before he told these unclean Gentile magi from the east. As I read the Old Testament scriptures, I read if you seek him with all your heart, you find him. And that's what we were doing. We were seeking him with all of our heart to find him. I mean, we left comfort, we left family, we left possessions, we left prominence, we left it all to find him. It's those who seek him that find him. Do you seek him? Well, we sought him with all of our heart, and we made our way to Bethlehem. And we found him. We remember what Isaiah said, for unto you a child is born, unto you a son is given, and his name shall be called Mighty God. And we fell to our knees. Emmanuel, God with us. And we worshiped him. But we didn't just worship him with words and postures and affections. We brought gifts, gifts that communicate what we understood about him. In fact, in order to help me explain what these gifts mean, there's some children here that have been asked to come help me explain this. So if you're one of those children, make your way on up here right now, if you would, please. Come up here quickly. Come on up here. We're gonna, you're going to help me explain what these gifts mean. So come on up here. There you go, right here. Stand right here. I want you to look at this way. Everybody come up here. Now, before we look at the gifts that we brought to Jesus, I want to ask you, if you could bring the baby Jesus one gift, what would you bring him? My favorite thing. Your favorite thing. What is that? Um, my stuffed animals. You'd bring him stuffed animals. What would you bring the baby Jesus? You'd bring him some toys. What would you bring the baby Jesus? Um, uh, a fancy cloth. A fancy cloth? 
Okay, what would you bring to baby Jesus? A blanket. Those are all good gifts. Well, let's just see. I want to, we'll see what, I want to show you what we brought to baby Jesus. So take that out of there. Okay. Now, let's go ahead and open this up and see what it is. What is that? That is gold. We brought the baby Jesus gold. Now, why do you think we brought him gold? Because he is a king. Because he is a king. You are very wise. <laughs> because he's a king, we brought him gold. Because gold is what you bring a king. Now, if he's the king, then that means that we will do what he says, right? Let me ask you, is he your king? Is he your king? So you'll do whatever he says? Let me ask you, is he your king? Then you'll do whatever he says? So that was our first gift, was the gift of gold, because we recognize he was a king. And that really is, in a sense, the gift of our will. Because he's king, we'll do whatever he says. Okay, there's a second gift that we brought. And see if you can take that out of there. Okay. Okay, sorry, hold it. Careful, there you go. Now, what is that? Do you know what that is? Frankincense. Do you know what frankincense is? Some kind of smell. That's exactly correct. It's frankincense. Now, why, did, why would we bring a baby frankincense? I don't know. Does he grow up? Okay. When he, for what now? So he grow, when, he, for when he grows up? Because it smells good? Because it smells good. Well, here's what God told Moses. God told Moses to take some spices and then take frankincense in Exodus 30 and make a holy incense that as the smoke goes up out of the tabernacle, it speaks of the prayers and the worship of the people of God. Frankincense we brought to him because not only do we not believe he's a king, but frankincense we brought him because we believe he is God come in the flesh. You only worship God. So you should, you, and none other, the Old Testament is very clear, we shall worship the Lord God and him only, him only, him only. And so to worship Jesus and not believe he's God would have been blasphemy. But we brought frankincense because this is a picture of worship, and we're worshiping him because we believe God has come in the flesh in Messiah. Okay, there's a third gift that we brought. Okay, we're going to come down here and take this one right here. Once you hold that with both hands, and once you take the top off, go ahead, go ahead and take the top off of that real careful. Now, who knows what that is? Myrrh. Myrrh. Very good answer. Now, what was myrrh for? It also smells good. Very good. You should be a magi. She said it, it was for when you die, they would put it on things, and she's exactly correct. Myrrh 
was used for the burial of how the Jewish people buried their dead. They would wrap them in cloths, and this is what they did with Jesus' body. Joseph of Arimathea came to Pilate, asked for permission to take the body of Jesus. He was allowed to do that. He takes Jesus' dead body to his own tomb. Nicodemus and others come, wrap his body in sheets, and they put in spices and myrrh, because that is how you wrapped a body you know, in, in the Jewish burial, it was, it, was, it was the Jewish way of burying someone. Now, why, why would we bring a baby boy myrrh? So when he grew up, maybe he could use it? He could use it how? When he dies on the cross. That's exactly correct. Well, Jesus came to die on the cross. And the Magi are bringing this little baby, this little boy, myrrh. They bring him gold because they know he's a king. They bring him frankincense because they know he's God come in the flesh. And they bring him myrrh because they know he was born to die. To die for our sins. They knew the Isaiah prophet, the prophet Isaiah had said that he would, he would die, he would be crushed for our iniquities and for our sins. He'd carry the burden of our judgment. They knew this, and that's why they brought him myrrh. Thank you, children. You all can go back to your seat. Good job. So let me ask you this. What do you bring Jesus this Christmas? He is the king, so will you give him your will? He is God come in the flesh, so will you give him your worship? And he was born to die. Will you be for him a witness? Because he died for the sins of the whole world. And there are people all over the world that haven't yet heard. So will you be for him a witness and tell of the sacrifice that he made so we can have our sins forgiven. What will you give to Jesus? We gave him the best we had. We sought him with abandonment and we worshiped him with extravagance. What will you give him? Jesus Christ is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he deserves our very best. He doesn't deserve leftovers. If we give him leftover money, a little leftover energy, a little leftover affection, a little leftover time, that's not worship. We give him our best because he deserves it. Well, after he died, three days later, he rose again. And he's alive today. And those who seek him today still find him. So let me ask you, are you a seeker today? Or are you kind of more like those religious leaders that couldn't be troubled to go a little extra distance? Those who seek him with all their heart, they're the ones that find him. Well, I still love to look at the stars. And every time I do, I notice there's a star missing. Star that we saw one time is not there anymore. And it reminds me that the star of heaven 
himself came down to earth to provide a way in which you and I could have a relationship with God now and forever. We have a saying around here, wise men still seek him. Do you? He is born in mankind. We are each given a gift. Greatest of kings, born in the most humble of places. God made into flesh.
gift of mine to honor thy sacrifice. <laughs> 